Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and today you're going to get your bookends to your day on Faith Radio because my guest is Carmen LeBurge, and she is on in the mornings from 6 to 8 Central Time, and we're continuing our series in the words of Jesus. So if you have a red-letter edition Bible, these will be the red letters uh, in your, your Bible. And today we're going to talk about John chapter 18. Looking forward to it. Carmen, welcome. Hello, my friend. Yeah. This is so fun. <laughs> this is very this fun. This is so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Now, be, re- be reminded of this hour that we are um, live on the air, all right? You mean as opposed to just like just chatting two, it up over a two, cup of tea? Two, two friends chatting over tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. thanks for the work you do. You're amazing and people love you. And it's really nice to have you on the show. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Yeah. So let's jump in to John 18. This is a powerful uh, chapter, and I think it's going to be a great hour of teaching. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to it. Let's, let's, let's get to it. Let's start by reading, let's say, the first, what, uh, seven verses? Should we do start that and take it in smaller chunks? Yeah, I think we should take it in, yeah, let's take it in small chunks. Do you want to read verses one to seven, and then we'll unpack it verse by verse? That sounds good. When he had finished praying... Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Jesus came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. All right, so should we just jump in? Oh, yeah, I'm, (laughs) yeah, let's jump in. There's so much here. (laughs) Okay, there's so much here. So the context um, for John chapter 18 is what has just transpired in, in like the prior four chapters. So we have, um, we have Jesus on the night that ultimately he's going to be betrayed, and we're going to get into that um, in this chapter but so if you want to read this in context, you want to start um, at the beginning of chapter 13 of the Gospel of John, and you want to read what happens um, on this last night of the life of Jesus. And you're going to have the Passover feast where he washes the disciples' feet. There is the institution celebration of the Lord's Supper. He predicts um, Peter's denial. Um, and then he spends a lot of time in chapters um, 14, 15, 16, and 17. I mean, those are almost, those chapters are almost exclusively all red letters. And so, um, if you want to just hear what Jesus has to say, um, to his disciples on the last night of his life, 
Um, there's a huge amount of red letter material in uh, in these prior chapters. Chapter 17 is this long extended prayer, which is what brings us then to the first verse of chapter 18, when he had finished praying. So when he had finished praying is this reference back to everything that has just happened in um, in John chapter 17. So I want to encourage people to go back and read the red letters in John 17, um, you know, as you are considering what what happens going forward. So Jesus left with his disciples. And so when we think about who had been in the upper room, um, it's not just the 12 who we think about. And in fact, at this point, Judas is not among them because um, a couple of chapters ago, Judas took off, um, having you know placed his hand in, uh, in, in the dish at the same time as Jesus. Um, he was identified as the one who you know, was going to betray him. So Judas is not among those who are walking now across the Kidron Valley from the upper room to what we know as the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, and, and so that's at least the 11, but who else? Well, I mean, we think there were something like 120 people in the upper room on that last evening. And so it's probably that whole group of people who make their way across the Kidron Valley um, and enter into this garden. Um, and it was a garden that they had uh, spent a lot of time in. So this is the Garden of Gethsemane. For those of you who um, maybe have been to Jerusalem, you know that there is a grove of olive trees still there um, where, you know, and those would be the olive trees that Jesus would have um, knelt beside and under on this night. And they're still there. And that is really, really extraordinary. So uh, Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. I think it's interesting, Bill, that Jesus didn't, you know, like try to find a secluded, unknown place where, you know, he's going to be able to get away from the people that were going to come after him. Mm -hmm. I mean, he went to a place that was uh, was well-known where he would be found, and that's where Judas arrives with what's described as a detachment of soldiers. If you were to Google detachment of Roman soldiers, you're going to find out that a detachment of soldiers is somewhere between 500 to 1,000, normally around 1,000 soldiers. I don't think we picture it that way. I think we imagine it's, you know, maybe a dozen guys coming to get, you know, one guy. But if it really was a detachment of soldiers, which I have no reason to believe that Scripture is not accurate here, um, then we're talking about, you know, 1,000 Roman soldiers who show up. And the officials um, from the chief priests, so that's probably a couple of dozen. And the Pharisees, again, probably another couple dozen more. They're carrying torches and lanterns and weapons, and that's going to sound to all of us a whole, lot, a whole lot like a lynch mob. So no wonder Peter's hand is on his sword, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's where your hand would be when these guys arrive. So uh, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him. So again, that is the, you know, that's the omniscience uh, here. Jesus is God. He's, you know, fully the second member of the Trinity. He's fully God. Yes, he's fully man, but he's he knows what's going to happen. Nothing uh, is happening here outside of the sovereignty of God, nor outside of the control and the um, and the submitted will of Jesus. So he um, he he asks, right? He goes out to them. He that's what Scripture says here in verse four. He went out to them. He initiates the conversation here. He doesn't flee. He doesn't hide. He doesn't cower. He goes out to them. And this is where the red letters start. Who is it you want? That's a strong question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a strong question. It really is. I mean, if I were to say to you, Bill, who is it that you want? Like, I want Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's my heart's desire. I mean, you can have all the rest. Give me Jesus. 
Now, when I say that, I'm saying it in a completely different way than they're saying it. Who do they want? They want Jesus of Nazareth. Um, And when they say that, um, I think they're bearing witness against themselves in terms of their understanding of who he is. Um, They don't say, we want the king of the Jews. They don't say, we want Jesus, uh, the Christ. They don't say, we want the son of God, the son of man, the prophet, the priest, uh, we don't want, we don't know. We want Jesus of Nazareth, really, really basic way of describing a person. And then Jesus gives the strongest possible answer. Um, I am he. In English, the he is supplied. In Greek, it just says, I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for those of us that, you know, are students of, of scripture, we know that that is the name that God claims for himself in Exodus three, when he reveals his name, um, to Moses at the burning bush. It's the ineffable name of God. I am. You didn't say it. Jews don't say it. And so for Jesus to say, I am, is, is the strongest possible thing that he could say. Um, and when he said, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. I mean, they literally couldn't keep their feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so um, I think that Philippians 2 is prefigured here. I think when Paul says, You know, the day is coming when every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I think that's prefigured right here in John chapter 18. Um, So uh, again, he asked, who is it you want? Again, strong question. Um, Do we make God repeat himself? Like, do we ever do that in asking us questions? Do we ever make God repeat himself? Um, I think Jesus wants to know if we really want him. Mm, Interesting. And... uh, yeah, and so then they say, Jesus of Nazareth, um, and he says, I, I, and now we're jumping into verse 8, which we haven't read yet, Yeah. Um, but the next, the next red letters, I told you that I am he. If you're looking for me, then let these men go. Mm. I, I just love in verse 6, it says, they drew back and fell to the ground. I can't imagine that picture, um, those soldiers being blown back. I did read a little bit on a, a detachment of soldiers, and I, I did hear that there are occasions when they would have basically sent a SWAT team of yeah, highly trained too. soldiers. So might not have been 500 or 1,000, but it was probably a significant number of soldiers, well-trained, able to take uh, this person under uh, under arrest. Yeah, definitely um, a scary group of dudes. Yes. I mean, yeah, we could just, yeah. Yeah, we'll leave, leave it at that, that. For yeah, sure. Yeah. All right, uh, Carmen, let me take a break and we'll come back and continue our study with Carmen LeBurge. And we are in John chapter 18 as we continue our series on the red, the words of Jesus, which would be the red letters in a red letter edition Bible. So if you have a question or a comment you'd like to make, let us know because the text line is always open 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer requests with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance.
All right, I'm back with Carmen LaBerge, and we are in our series on the words of Jesus, which we do on Wednesdays. It is Wednesday, I believe. And Carmen, as you can uh, probably see, because you have the text line open, there's a lot of people happy that you're joining the program today. They love <laughs> Carmen LaBerge. Isn't that awesome? Uh, I just, I, I, love, um, I love that we start the day together and we end the day together. I know. It's fantastic. It's, it's great. All right. So we got through the first seven verses. Let's move on. Uh, what do we want to do? How many in the next... Uh, chunk here. Let's do um, let's do like eight through fourteen. Okay. Uh, do you want to read or do you want me to? Why don't you read them and then I'll go through them again. Okay, sounds good. Uh, verse eight, John chapter eighteen, verse eight. Jesus answered, "I told you that I am He. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words He had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me." Then Simon Peter who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers, with its commander and the Jewish officials, arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. There is so much um, in this section of scripture. And so, I mean, don't you wish we had the testimony of Malchus, whose ear is healed? Don't you wish we had... Um, yeah, just I just wish we had this testimony. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. So, you know, Jesus is starting here. Hey, I told you that I am he. If you've ever wondered, like, okay, so if there's all these soldiers and they came, they're heavily armed, they're certainly skilled. You know, how is it that all the other disciples got away and they only arrested Jesus? Well, it's answered right here. Um, you know, Jesus says, hey, you've got the guy you came for. Let all these other guys go. Um, and again, that's a fulfillment of scripture as well. And so that's what happens. Um, Peter has a sword, again, kind of an interesting detail here, and he draws it and he cuts off uh, the ear of Malchus, the the servant of the high priest. Um, you can't do the work of, of God in the ways of the world. That would be my summary of what Peter's trying to do there, right? He thinks that he got, he needs to be protecting Jesus. Um, he can't, he doesn't want to let this happen. Um, and Jesus is really clear. And again, now the red, the red letter words, um, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the father has given me? Uh, that is a curious statement. And it, um, it definitely presumes that Peter knows what the cup is that the father is giving Jesus to drink. And so um, we know that, you know, Peter was certainly present when there was this dispute on the road one day. Um, The mother of James and John had asked Jesus whether or not her sons could sit beside Jesus in his kingdom. Um, And, and, you know, right, they're seeking this prominence. And Jesus said, hey, are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they're like, yeah, 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 we can drink it. And They didn't understand, right? They do not understand um, that they're talking here. What what we're talking about here is God's wrath being poured out. Um, That's the cup that Jesus is going to drink. He is going to drink it to the dregs. He is going to drink the wrath of God, um, referred to in Jeremiah 25, 15. The Lord, the God of Israel um, said, you know, Take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath. Make all the nations to whom I send drink of it. Well, 
Jesus drinks it to the dregs. Um, Isaiah 51, 17, oh, Jerusalem, um, you, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, you've drunk the dregs to the bowl, the cup of staggering. Revelation 14 talks about it as well. If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on his forehead or his hand, he's also going to drink the wine of God's wrath, pulled full strength into the cup of his anger. Like, I don't want that. I don't want mm-hmm. to have to drink the cup of the wrath of God, and I don't have to because Jesus um, has done that on on our behalf. So um, there is this detachment of soldiers then, um, and they bind him, and they bring him first to Annas, and this begins the evening during which Jesus is going to be um, interrogated and tried, and then ultimately here in the next few verses um, presented to a, a mob of people and and they're going to be asked again, who do you want? So we're headed in that direction. Mm-hmm. But now we've arrived at, um, yeah, we've arrived now at the portion of this passage where there's there aren't any red letters because there's this interaction between Peter and some other people uh, in the courtyard of the high priest. Yeah, let's go back to Malchusel just because I think there, it's it's I love that he met someone's need on the, the night that mm. he was going to be sleepless and go to his crucifixion. And this was the last miracle before the resurrection. And I look at the way he was always meeting people's needs. I mean, his first miracle, he was fixing a catering problem. And the last miracle before the resurrection, he touched and healed a man's ear. Now, I know when we see it on uh, in movies, we see Jesus picking a detached ear off the ground and sticking it back on his head. And it I don't know if it happened that way because scripture says he touched his ear and all Jesus had to do was touch it. He didn't have to pick up the one that was on the ground. You know, I don't know how it worked, but it is, it is interesting that he's always meeting a need. He always meets a need. And if you think that you are in a place where God has to meet a need of yours, he will. Amen. 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 Hey, even if you are, um, you know, a, a person who came to, uh, you know, who is at this point at utter enmity with the Lord. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's amazing. But I've asked people before, have you had a Malchus moment where you were mm. in a situation where y- you didn't know what was going to happen next. And yet God showed up and restored something that you, that you thought this is impossible. And yet he did it. Mm. And a lot of people that. have Malchus stories. And every time I see the depiction of Malchus in a movie, he's always in such a state of complete being completely stunned. He's motionless, and he just sits there. And I go, yeah, that's probably the way you would respond if Jesus just restored your ear that just got cut off your head. And Peter was probably going for his head, and he ducked, and he probably got his ear cut off. That's probably how it worked. Who knows? Well, Peter may have been going... Uh, for somebody other than the servant of the high priest, too. Who That's knows, true. Right? That's true. I mean, this guy, this, I mean, Malchus may may not even be there because he wants to be there. He may be there under orders sure. because he is a person under authority at this point as well. Yeah. It's a curious, uh, yeah, curious thing. Yeah, it's fun to banter around. All right, where mm-hmm. do we go from here? Should we go to 15? Yeah, and then um, let's uh, let's move through um, Peter's denials and then the questioning of the high priest. So let's read all the way through verse 24. Okay. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, 
spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. You you aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I have always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. <laughs> yeah, this is, these people are passing, um, they're just passing him along. Like that's, uh, that's ultimately what's going on here. So um, as we work our way through this passage, I think that Peter's um, denial of Jesus is something very, very well known um, to uh, you know to most students of the life of Jesus, and certainly uh, the events of his last night. This is going to end with the cock crowing after um, Peter has the opportunity to deny Jesus a second and third time here in just a moment. So we'll talk about that um, uh, here shortly. Um, there's been a change of scene here. We've, we were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and now we have uh, Jesus in a room being interrogated. And um, he's being interrogated here uh, by, um, by Annas. And so uh, we're going to have him sent here in just a moment to Caiaphas, the high priest. But uh, this is sort of the, the first in a series of interrogations. Um, and so Jesus, the red letters here, focusing on those, I have spoken openly to the world. If you've ever wondered, you know, what Jesus is in the world to do, he's here to make the Father known. That is what he's here to do. And so he speaks openly. He speaks publicly. Um, he's not, you know, he's not speaking in secret. He says, I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. And I said nothing in secret. So why question me? Um Jesus came to reveal the Father, not to keep anything hidden. I mean, he came to make God known. Um, he was always accessible. He's answering question after question. And in, you know, in the way that he always likes to reframe things, he's now asking questions of the questioner. Why question me? Why yeah, aren't you that. asking the people <laughs> who heard me? Um, surely they know what I said. Um, and then again, challenging them to bring evidence against him um, when they're presented with the truth, they can do nothing but um, but strike him and then send him on to someone else, and uh, and so that's um, maybe that's a good place for us to to pause um, and and just consider the scene. Yeah, I love that, Carmen, because you're a radio professional and you know the time clock, and you're now giving me thirty <laughs> seconds to go to break, which I love about you, <laughs> Carmen LaBerge is my guest. We're, we're continuing our series on the words of Jesus. So if you have a red-letter edition Bible, they'd be the red words, and we're in John chapter 18. We'll take a break. Be right back with Carmen. You 
are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arnold. I am back, and my very special guest is Carmen LeBur. She hosts the morning show here at Faith Radio, which I know you know. And we are in our series of the red-letter uh, words of Jesus. And if you have a red-letter Bible, it's an edition of Scripture in which the words spoken by Jesus are printed in red ink. So those red letters are really are meant to help uh, you as a reader uh, easily locate the words spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're looking at John chapter 18. And before we get to those red letters some more, there are some black letters in John 18, and that involves the second and third denial of Peter. So if I may read it, I think it's in verse 25 and 26. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of the disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I'm not. One of the high priest servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? And again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. So notably, there aren't any uh, red letters here. Uh, to get the red letters that are related to um, to this portion of Scripture, you got to read two different passages. you got to read some red letters in John 13, and then you got to read some red letters in John uh, chapter 21. So I'm going to do that. So if you were to turn back to John 13, you're going to get Jesus predicting exactly what transpires here. Um, and so uh, Jesus is, again, on the night. It's the same night, but it's much earlier in the evening. And they're in the upper room and um, the foot washing and the celebration of the Last Supper. And Jesus says to them, now is the Son of Man glorified. God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and glorify him at once. My children... Um, I will be with you only a little longer. You're going to look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. And then reading ahead at verse 36, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. And Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So that is fulfilled here in these verses in John 18, verses 25 to 27. Um, And then the good news for Peter is that in John chapter 21, um, after his death and then his resurrection, Jesus reinstates Peter. And in the same way that that Peter denies Jesus three times, Jesus um, takes the time to reinstate Peter three times as well. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage you guys to read the red letters in John chapter 21 related to that at some point. Yeah, Carmen, I have one observation about verse 26. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Got a pretty credible source here. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the guy's like, dude, I talked to Malchus and My he's cause. like... 
this guy cut off my ear <laughs> and this other guy put it back on. Yeah. And yeah, that's the guy right there with my blood on his hands. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. That guy. He was clearly with Jesus. Yeah. I, I try to figure yeah. out what it was like the next morning, you know, with Mrs. Malchus. <laughs> You know, because Malchus has got blood on his on his shoulder. It's like, oh, honey, what happened? Well, let's see. That guy we arrested last night, I got my ear mm-hmm. cut off and he put it back on. Yeah, the testimony of all these women would be really interesting. I mean, <laughs> like be, we, could, it? we could get to Pilate's wife as well. Let's yes. uh, let's get to let's get to Pilate and what happens um, when Jesus is before Pilate, picking up at verse twenty eight. Okay, uh, just. 28, 29, or how many would you like me to read? Oh, no. I think uh, I think at this point we should probably, um, hmm, let's read to verse 38. Okay. You can tell that the we did not of 30, talk in advance like of this. The beginning of 38, A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Starting in what verse? 28. 28. Okay. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now, it was early morning. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is this your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Perfect. All right, we got this is covering a lot of territory. So again, we've had another um, change of venue. Um, Jesus has now been uh, transferred again. The Jewish leaders have now trotted him um, uh, from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. And so now he is going to be um, presented now in a Roman uh, court. He's been, um, you know, he's been interrogated in a couple of Jewish environments, and now he's going to be interrogated before uh, Pilate, the uh, Roman uh, uh, pr- procurator. So, and so that's what's going on here. So, the Jewish leaders um, take him, and um, Pilate comes out and says, "You know, what are the charges?" And th- there are no like actual charges that are going to stand up to Roman law. Um, and so they say, "Well, you know, if he wasn't a criminal, if he hadn't broken the law, we wouldn't have have brought him here." And they're <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> so- um, yeah, so that's a that's not like a legitimate charge. No. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh Pilate tries to basically 
you know, this is like hot potato. This is sort of Jesus as hot potato. Um, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. Well, according to their law, they can't execute him because, right, they they don't they don't have that right under um, under Roman rule. Only the Romans can accomplish an execution here. And so um, uh, the scripture then says this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Um, the Jews couldn't crucify. Um, and so the Romans, that was, you know, obviously what the Romans did with basically people uh, who were enemies of the state, political uh, rabble-rousers, people who they wanted to make um, a public demonstration of. So Pilate's now going to look for a charge that will hold, that will stick. And so he's going to look for a political charge here. Pilate uh, goes back inside and summons Jesus and asks him, are you the king of the Jews? Now, it's interesting that, I mean, obviously he's heard this somewhere, Um and that's then when Jesus asks this very provocative question. I mean, have you noticed so far that Jesus is basically answering questions with questions, except when he comes right out and says, I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so is that your own idea, Pilate, or um, did others talk to you about me? Um, Jesus is asking if Pilate's inquiry is genuine. I mean, you know, Jesus already knows his heart, so he knows the answer to that question. But I do think that it's an honest question um, for each one of us to be asked of the Lord. Like, are you, you know, for Jesus to turn to us and say, hey, it's not just like, who do other people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Like, are you coming here because you're genuinely seeking the truth? Because that's what I've come into the world to reveal. Um, but are, or are you just like trying to trap me? Are you just, you know, you is this an honest pursuit? Are you genuinely a seeker? Um, so, uh, am I a Jew? And obviously Pilate is not a Jew. And so, um, you know, he, he does want to know what Jesus has done to provoke the ire of his own people. Um, and so that gets us into a kingdom conversation. And I think this is probably, um, you know, where, where for Pilate there becomes at least some substance of a, of a political reason to bring a charge against Jesus. Um, because he does here claim to be a king. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, which, of course, is exactly what Peter started to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you, can't, you can't make kingdom progress, Jesus's kingdom progress, you know, using the ways of the world. You just can't. It's not a battle of flesh and blood. It's just not. Um, so, but my kingdom is from another place. So this is the kingdom conversation. And I think... Um, Bill, for each and every one of us, this is an important, a really important conversation for the times in which we live, because I think there's great confusion about the kingdoms of this world um, and whether or not they're, you know, they're Christian or not, and the kingdom of Christ, where he reigns supreme, um, the place in which every knee will bow uh, to Jesus as king and acknowledge him as such. So the kingdom conversation is a good one. Jesus's kingdom is not of this world, but he has instituted it through his presence. And he is coming again to bring it to its fullness. It's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's why we function as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. Like, it's it's a real thing. It's just not fully instituted here um, yet. So Pilate says, so you are a king then. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king, which it's interesting. Um, I mean, we can't really fast forward yet, but what Pilate writes and or has written 
to be placed above Jesus's head upon the cross, you know, King of the Jews, Mm -hmm. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. um, It's interesting. It is as if Pilate, Pilate accepts this claim. At some level, Pilate accepts this claim. Um, And Jesus uh, uh, confirms that. You say that I'm a king. Um, In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So, are you on the side of truth? That's that's the ultimate question here of this passage. Because everybody that's on the side of truth listens to Jesus. This is a whose side are you on question. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pilate is like, what's the truth got to do with what's going on now, man? I mean, I got to satisfy a burly crowd out there yeah, and okay. I got to satisfy Rome. I mean, what's truth got to do with it? Um, but I think for those of us who are considering the words of Jesus here, you know, there's a question, there's a piercing question here. Whose side are you on? And, and and I'll say, as a disciple of Jesus, I'm on the side of truth, whatever that means and wherever that leads. Um, and truth is not a what. When Pilate says what is truth, he misses the point because truth is not a what. Truth is a who. I mean, truth is standing right in front of him. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Pilate, truth is not a what. Truth is a who. Truth is a person. And the truth is standing right there in front of you, and you missed it. <laughs> you missed it. I mean, he walks out of the room. He goes out of, he, you know, he walks out of the room and returns to the Jews who are gathered there. And he says, you know, I find no basis of a charge against him. And then he go, and we go on then to the very last um, scene here, which um, we can return to in a moment. Yeah, I guess we will. Carver LaBerge is my guest. You probably recognized her voice without me needing to tell you who my guest was, but we'll uh, come back and continue our series on the words of Jesus. If you have a red letter edition Bible, you would find these words in John chapter 18 that we're discussing. After a short break, we'll be right back. Thanks for all the great comments that are coming in. And if you have a question or you heard something you'd like us to clarify, you can let us know. All you have to do is send it over on the text line 877-933-933. 2484. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. I'm talking to Carmen LeBurge. We're in our Words of Jesus series. They'd be the red words in a red letter edition Bible. I loved what you said, Carmen. Rosie and I were kind of gushing over that. That truth is not a what. Truth is a who. And I think that's a profound statement that I will be chewing on the rest of the night. Hmm. That's good. It's it's meaty. It's good. It, it's this so meaty. Meaty, and, meaty portion of, of scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And are you on the side of truth? And of course, that is... The big question in today's world is how do you decide truth and how do you see it and how do you recognize it and how do you align yourself with it? There's so much out there that's so uh, deceptive. 
I know. And so to all of those questions, I'm just going to be like, Jesus, 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 yeah. Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I, yeah. just, I just, I got, that's all I got, man. That's, that's all, all you that's, need. Yeah. Yes, there you go. That's all you there need. There you go. All right. Let's uh, continue the rest of the chapter of John 18. And let's see, where did I finish reading? 30? Why don't you Why don't you back up and read um, read 38 after Pilate's retort when he when he goes out again and read from there to the end. Um, let's see. I'll start in, I'll start in 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You're a king? Said Pilate. Jesus answered, will you say that I'm a king? In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. Then he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. And that ends the chapter. Yeah, so Barabbas is a genuinely bad dude. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's like an insurrectionist. He uh, he is like legitimately condemned to death uh, under Roman law. Um, and and what happens here is Barabbas um, gets to be the first person who experiences a substitutionary atonement. <laughs> like, yeah, no kidding. He's literally he's literally redeemed um, uh, by Jesus. Um, by the sacrifice of Christ. So um, I think the the idea of there being a, uh, a custom here, um, I do think Pilate is genuinely looking for a way out. He's trying to give the Jews a way out of something that they have, you know, clearly orchestrated, um, you know, charges against an innocent man. It seems as if Pilate is well aware of that at this point. Um, and so I think he's trying to give them an option. Hey, do you want me to release the, quote, king of the Jews, right? Which he probably said in a fairly mocking tone mm-hmm. um you know there is the who do you want question who do you want and now we're sort of back to the question that jesus asked um those who came to arrest him i mean who do you seek who do you want um and at the beginning they want jesus of nazareth of course but they're they want him in order to arrest him here they don't want him they don't want him don't don't give us jesus it's interesting to me that the the person who they shout for um, is Barabbas, Bar Abba, Bar Abba, the son of the father. Mm-hmm. Give us the son of the father. Um, don't give us Jesus, the son of God. Um, and so it would be wonderful to have Barabbas's testimony as well. I mean, there are a number of people in this chapter um, whose testimonies would be really incredible um, to have. Um, Again, Barabbas being, you know, in my view, the first person for whom Jesus serves as a substitute, exchanging his life for the life of a man condemned to die. Uh, And so I think that, you know, if everybody would just consider the question tonight, do you want Jesus? Do you want the King of the Jews? Or do you want something else? Do you want something else? And and I say to that question, Bill, give me Jesus. Yeah, I want Jesus. I do too. Uh, Jesus is the one that I want. Um, 
He's my all in all. Give me Jesus. I mean, you can have all the rest. Just give me Jesus. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine how Barabbas must have felt and what he must have been thinking as he's starting to slink through the crowd after having been released, knowing that he was going to be put to death. And now he's been released and is walking away a free man. Yeah, I mean, he he won the lottery of his day. Yeah, no I mean, whatever that, whatever that thing is that, you know, they're taking a drawing for again tonight and it's up over a billion dollars, that's what Barabbas won. Yeah. He won, he, in his day, that's what he won. He won the mega millions. Yep. Yeah, and it's a great illustration yep. of substitutionary atonement. And that is, I guess I never thought about it until just now. Well, and, and, the, and the deeply personal nature of it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Barabbas is, you know, saved eternally here. That's, that's no, not no, at all I, what I'm saying. No, no, we're not saying, saying that. But, yeah, but, I, but there is a substitution that happens here, um, and Jesus is going to die, and Barabbas is not. Yeah, that, that's a very interesting um, picture to have in your head, that he is being set free by this person named Jesus, and then how did he live the rest of his life? And, well, I guess we'll never know, but... Interesting transformation to go from yeah, I am marked and, for death and, to I'm being set free. Yeah, and standing there as well, quite possibly. Um, you know, I, we don't know that it's just these two guys out there. That is not, you know, it's not articulated here in other in other places. That's the way it's described. Um, but those two guys who are ultimately crucified on Jesus's right and left, you know, they're they're probably nearby in the midst of all of this. Hmm. So I love what we've walked away with from this our Carmen, we've, we've looked at, are you on the side of truth? And you look at Jesus and you say, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So your, your point about Pilate saying, what is truth? Is he really just missed the boat? It's not what is truth, it's who is truth? And that's the question all of us have to address in our lives. And for many who are listening to this broadcast, you've already addressed it and you've decided to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and give him your allegiance and surrender your life, have an exchanged life. You've died to sin and you've uh, become new in Christ and you have a transformed mind and a new heart. And that's a beautiful thing. Amen. I know you've got more to say about evangelism right now. (laughs) Well, I guess I would say if you're wondering about the truth, um, you know, let me just invite you to read what Jesus has said because he does speak the truth. Um, and then also, you know, consider what Jesus demonstrates in his life, because he came as the one who is the truth, to testify to the truth, to make God known. So if you want to know God, um, look at Jesus and listen to Jesus, um, because that's, I mean, what he says is, I came into the world to testify to the truth. I came to reveal the Father and make him known. So if you want to know, you know who God is and what God's like, his character and his ways, um, check out more of, of the person of Jesus. And you can certainly get to know him well by reading the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm-hmm. And Carmen, when did you place your faith and trust in Christ? Yeah, so when I was uh, just 16, I had just turned 16, and um, my dad had died like uh, three weeks prior to that, okay. um, and I was uh, at a Young Life camp, and a friend named Dan Fields asked me if I wanted to experience peace, because I was clearly not <clears throat> experiencing it, and um, and I said, yeah, and he, you know, I, I knew 
you know, I I had been to all the Young Life uh, talks and events, and you know, Dan knew I knew all these stories about Jesus and mm-hmm. you know that I was a kid that had been raised in a church. So it's not like this was foreign information to me, but the idea that that Jesus could, as the Prince of Peace, actually indwell me and give me peace as my Savior and my Lord, that was new. And when he said that I could ask that and God would give it, and I gave all of myself that I understood to all of Jesus that I understood, and I have never looked back, and I have lived in perfect peace even in the midst of great travail ever since. Mm, Wow. So three weeks after your father died, you're 16, you come to saving faith in Christ. Amen. Yeah, that's powerful. Thank you for the work you do, Carmen. You're awesome. Listeners love you. I love you. Rosie loves you. Everyone loves you. Well, thanks for this privilege. It's a wonderful opportunity. I I love that you're doing this. Yeah, well, it's great. great. It's kind of nice to be in the guest seat, isn't it? No, I, yeah, it's totally fun. Nobody ever <laughs> asked me questions. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks a lot. Have a great night. Who's on your show tomorrow? Oh, What's wow. That? That's like a trick question. I get it. I get um, it. Yeah, some, some outstanding I, oh, guests. I, some some outst- wonderful people amazing. are going to talk with me in the morning. Yeah, I can hardly really wait. Really great yeah, people. Yeah, of course. <laughs> get some sleep. <laughs> Have a great night, and thanks for doing this. Likewise. All right. Thanks. Carmen LaBerge has been my guest. You definitely want to tune in 6 o'clock Central Time tomorrow and find out who her guests are going to be. She's always awesome, and thank you for uh, spending time with me today. If you missed any of today's show, I always recommend heading over to MyFaithRadio.com, and the podcasts are there. You can listen to them on demand. You can send them to a friend. Maybe there's someone in your Bible study that you think, they need to hear this, and we can talk about it. That's a great way to have fellowship. Anyway, thanks for spending the time. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio, and have a great night and a beautiful evening. And as you lay your head on the pillow, just know that God's working out his great plan in your life and he loves you. And I do too. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.